Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast in the series, Not Your Average Joe. This week, our big idea is choose to be above average at work. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 46 and 47. Enjoy and thanks for listening. If you have a Bible, we're going to find ourselves in Genesis chapter 46 and 47 today. You can also take your smart device and scan the QR code in your program, and that'll bring up all of the notes and all of the scripture that we're going to use today. And when we left Joe last week, he had just walked through meeting his brothers for the first time in 22 years, the same brothers that sold him into slavery the same brothers that were beyond the cruel. They are now in front of him. And Joe is in a position of authority, and they have real need. And so what will Joe do in that moment? Will he take revenge? Will he even the score? Or will he forgive? Well, what we discovered last week is that Joseph indeed makes the choice to forgive, and that changes everything in his family. As a matter of fact, what happens next is that Joe invites all of his family to come and move in with him in Egypt. All of these brothers and their wives and his dad, they were living in a different place and Joe had means. Joe was a rich guy and he wanted his whole family to be there. And so what we discover next is that the clan moves to Egypt. I'm sure when that happened, it was quite a family reunion. Can you imagine? I mean, these are brothers that he hasn't seen in a long time, and they've married. They have wives that he has never met. And you can picture some of the conversations, can't you? Hey, Simeon, that's one of Joe's brothers. This is your wife? You got somebody to marry you? That's great because you weren't much to look at. And that's just kind of brothers being brothers, right? And then there's all these nieces and nephews running around, and you're Uncle Joe. Not only are you Uncle Joe, but you're the rich Uncle Joe. You are a world ruler, and you have everything. You're a pretty cool guy. And then there's Dad, a dad that adored and loved you as a son, and for 22 years has believed you to be dead. And not only are you alive, but you seem to be doing quite well. This is the story of not your average Joe. And because of the choices that Joe made, like his willingness to forgive when he could have even the score, it made him an above-average kind of individual. And so here's what we read in Genesis chapter 46. The stage is set for us. Verse 1 says, So Jacob, and this is the dad, he set out for Egypt with all his possessions. And when he came to Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. During the night, God spoke to him in a vision. Jacob, Jacob, he called. Here I am. Jacob replied, I am God, the God of your father, the voice said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make your family into a great nation. And I will go with you down to Egypt, and I will bring you back again. You will die in Egypt, but Joseph will be with you to close your eyes. Think about that. 
It's a pretty remarkable promise. Here's a son that he hasn't seen in a really long time. Not only is he going to get to live with him again, but Joe, that son, he's going to be with you in your death. He'll be with you when you pass. It's a great promise. Verse 5 says, So Jacob left Beersheba, and his sons took him to Egypt. They carried him and their little ones and their wives in the wagons Pharaoh had provided for them. They also took all their livestock and all the personal belongings they had acquired in the land of Canaan. So Jacob and his entire family went to Egypt, sons and grandsons, daughters and granddaughters, all his descendants. So they're one big happy family now. This is great, isn't it? You have to keep in mind why all of this is happening, though. There is a famine in the land, and nobody has any food, and nobody has any means to get food, except for the nation of Egypt. They've got it all. And Joe is the one who was led out on this venture. He is an A-plus leader. He is an A-plus manager, and because of his hard work, because he had the ability to take care of business. He was able to provide not only for Egypt, but all of the world at that time. And so people were coming to Egypt in order to get food. And again, all of this is because of Joe and his work. And he's really good at his work. And so guess what? Today we're going to talk about something a lot of churches don't talk about, and that is your work. Just about all of us work in here and You may get paid for your work, or your work may be volunteer in nature, but we all pretty much have work to do. And so here's our big idea for today. Choose to live above average with your work. And this is possible, and we're going to unpack what that looks like and what that means. Choose to live above average with your work. And here's why. It's because your work matters to God. I want to say that again. Your work, whatever it is that you do, whether you like it or you dislike it, your work, what you actually do, it matters to God. And maybe you've never heard that before or you've never considered that. I want everybody walking out of here to know what I do. It matters to God. I think many of us struggle with this because we can always find someone whose work is a little more important than our own. Like they're really helping people, or they're doing something valuable for a cause. My work is just work. And so we begin to categorize, and we look at different people and say, their work matters, but I'm not so sure about my work. And we think about it in terms of a pyramid that you will begin to see on the screen, and often we say, you know what, at the top is Jesus. He really had valuable work, didn't he? My goodness, he came to save the world. He came to pay the price for our sins. He came to redeem and to rescue us. That's pretty valuable work. I don't know if anybody's going to beat that. Perhaps underneath that would be an individual like a Mother Teresa who took a vow of poverty and worked with the poorest of the poor and gave her life away for others. Her work was really valuable and important. Perhaps underneath that is an individual like Buddy Thigpen. Buddy's one of the missionaries that we partner with here at Valley Point, and Buddy works with orphans 
in Russia. And he works with the poorest of the poor. And his work is amazing. And several of us have been there. And we've observed him in action. And we've been with him side by side. And he is just an incredible individual who is compassionately serving others. His work is important. And then underneath that is maybe somebody like me. I even put a bow tie on for the picture. Actually, I brought my wife into it to make it a little more meaningful. And that's me. You can put yourself in that category as well. And maybe you think your work is valuable. Maybe you don't. But it's probably not as important as a buddy Thigpen or a Mother Teresa or certainly Jesus himself. And so we get down on ourselves. But I want you to be encouraged because there's a whole group of people that are below us. That's the Kardashians. And we really have no idea what they do or what's going on there. But we do this, don't we? We begin to rank and and we look at other people and say, well, their work is important and their work is valuable and they're accomplishing something. And I might not be doing that, but I want everybody to understand and I want everybody to know that your work matters to God. That's the reality. And we're going to figure out why today. Now, if you're retired, we're really jealous of you and long for the day. But I know this about those who are retired. They still like to do things, and they take great pride in what they do, and they are great workers. And so we all have work to do, and our work, whether we think it's important or not, it matters to God. So you just think about what you do for work And you put that into the category of being very important and something that God wants you to accomplish and do. Now, if you're here and you hate your job, like you would just raise your hand and say, I hate it, hate it, hate it. It is God awful and I want to get out of it as soon as I can. I want to let you know that I think as we listen to a little bit of what Joe did that made him such an amazing worker, I think you're going to walk away with a couple of things that might not change the scenario entirely, but I believe it will help as you begin your work week. Maybe you're here and you love your work. You're really excited about it and you're finding fulfillment with it and you feel like it's even important work. That's all great and wonderful. Again, from the life of Joseph, I think you're going to discover how you can even get better at what you do. Now, if you're here and you're a student you're in middle school or high school, then you've got a lifetime of work in front of you. And good luck with that. But I want you to decide now. And I want you to be thinking now about this lifetime of work that you will be a great worker. Choose to do that now. And I think you'll be able to accomplish that, again, by using some of the things that Joe did. So here's the question. What made Joe such an exemplary worker? Again, he had a specific job. As a matter of fact, we're going to discover today, he had three different jobs in the time frame that we've been studying him. So he had three different jobs, three different bosses, and he excelled in each and every one. What made Joe such an exemplary worker? Let's try to figure that out. And I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 47. And I'm going to begin reading with verse 13. And this gives us a picture of kind of what's happening right now. So it says this, meanwhile, keep in mind the family has arrived. They're all living there, having a great time together. 
Meanwhile, the famine became so severe that all the food was used up and people were starving throughout the lands of Egypt and Canaan. By selling grain to the people, Joseph eventually collected all the money in Egypt and Canaan and he put the money in Pharaoh's treasury. Pharaoh is his boss. That's who he works for. So when the people of Egypt and Canaan ran, ran out of money, all the Egyptians came to Joseph. Well, our money is gone, they cried. But please give us food or we will die before your very eyes. What happens next is that Joseph begins to talk to them. And we're not going to read all of this, but if you continue on in the chapter, you will discover some amazing strategies that Joe begins to implement. He looks at these people who are coming to him, again, because he's this A-plus leader, and he's helping Egypt and the world survive, something that's very terrible. And he says, all right, you don't have any money anymore. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring your livestock. And in exchange for that, I will give you food, and I will give you seed to plant. And so they did that. They brought their livestock to Joe, and Scripture tells us that Joe put the livestock into Pharaoh's livestock, and it began to grow. Well, some time passed, and the people come back and say, again, we're still starving, and we're hungry, and we have no livestock to give you. And so Joe said, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to buy your land, but you're going to hang on to it, because I'm going to give you seed, and you're going to harvest, and then you'll be able to survive, but I will own the land. And so they made the exchange, and Scripture tells us that Joe put into the Egyptian treasury for his boss all of the land that was being exchanged. The famine continued, got worse. And people came and said, we have no money, we have no livestock, we have no land to give you, but we're hungry. So Joe said, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you seed now, and you're going to plant, and you're going to grow and harvest but you're going to give a portion of that back to Pharaoh. So you can keep a portion, you can live off of that, but you're going to give a portion to Pharaoh, and that's how we'll survive all of this. So what's really fascinating about what is happening here in Genesis chapter 47 is that Joe is stockpiling assets for his boss. Whenever you stockpile assets for your boss, that's a good thing. Right? They kind of like that. They enjoy that. But there's something else that's happening here that goes even beyond him stockpiling assets for his boss. The people are actually thrilled about this. And it's how they all survive. So here's what we read in verse 25. After all of that, the people said, You have saved our lives, they exclaimed. And so what we find here is that Joe provides solution after solution after solution. He's stockpiling assets for his boss but he's also helping the people be thrilled about the fact that they have food. So, from the life of Joe, this fascinating leader, and today we're thinking about him as a worker. So we're kind of sidebarring all of the emotion of the story, the forgiveness and the anger and the angst and the bitterness and all of the stuff that could have been happening on the inside of Joe. Instead, we're going to really focus on his work. And I want to use his life and his example and his strategies as a way to say, here's how we can be great with our work. So are you ready? 
I can tell you're really excited about this. Again, my goal is that everybody would say, thank God for Monday. It's coming, and God has given me work to do. So here's the takeaways. Number one, loyally place yourself under the umbrella of authority where you work. Loyally place yourself under the umbrella of authority where you work. And this is exactly what we find Joe doing. And in accomplishing that, and in existing that way, and in working that way, well, there's some great benefits. So if you go to the very first verse in chapter 47, here's what we find. It says, Then Joseph went to see Pharaoh. Again, that's the boss. And told him, My father and my brothers have arrived from the land of Canaan. They have come with all their flocks and herds and possessions, and they are now in the region of Goshen, kind of like a suburb of Egypt. So Joseph took five of his brothers with him and presented them to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh asked the brothers, What is your occupation? What's your work? And they replied, We, your servants, are shepherds, just like our ancestors. We have come to live here in Egypt for a while, for there is no pasture for our flocks in Canaan. The famine is very severe there. So please, we request permission to live in the region of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Now that your father and brothers have joined you here, choose any uh, any place, any piece of land in Egypt for them to live. Give them the best of the best. Let them live in the region of Goshen. And if any of them have special skills, put them in charge of my livestock as well. Now, I read that to you to say this. Pharaoh, Joe's boss, I don't think just automatically was giving out chunks of land at this particular time. Matter of fact, we've already made the observation that he is collecting assets. People are giving the land away so that they can survive. And so here comes Joe, and he's a great worker. And I believe because he loyally and continually placed himself under the umbrella of authority at work, Pharaoh, the boss, when it came time for Joe to ask for something, Pharaoh was okay with saying, you know what, I'll willingly give up a piece of land for your family, for your brothers. As a matter of fact, I respect you so much, Joe. If your brothers are really good at taking care of livestock, I'd like for them to take care of my livestock as well because my guys are awful. And so I've got a job for your brothers as well. And I don't think that happened by accident. And I think this is recorded for us to really know and understand. When it came time for Joe to come in and present his brothers and to ask for something, he got it. And I believe the primary reason he got it is because he loyally and continually placed himself under the umbrella of authority at work. Umbrellas are good. They shield and they protect us from the elements. And when we find ourselves under the umbrella of authority, whatever that might look like for us, we are safe from elements. But as soon as we remove the umbrella, as soon as we step out, as soon as we venture out on our own, and we're no longer under that umbrella of authority where we work, We are open to the elements, and that is a dangerous place to be. And it's not where God wants us. So who do you report to? Do you find yourself loyally under that umbrella of authority or not? 
One of the things that made Joe just tremendous at work is that he placed himself under the umbrella of authority. Secondly, know your job and perform it with excellence. Just know your job. And if you don't know your job, then you better get clarity on what is it that I'm responsible for. What's the description of my work? You better figure that out and then perform that with excellence. One commentator said this, when he, Joe, had seen his father and seen him well settled, he applied himself as closely as ever to the execution of his office. And I think that is a remarkable statement. He knew his job and he performed it with excellence. How easy would it have been for Joe not to work hard now that his family is living with him? I mean, his brothers are there and all of these nieces and nephews and his dad is there. It would have been very easy for him to say, I'll find other people to do this and I'm just not going to work as hard as what I need to because my family is there. But that's not what Joe does. As a matter of fact, we find the opposite. There's no doubt that Joe spent the appropriate amount of time reacquainting himself with his family. And he established a new work-life balance with everything that was happening, with his family being there when they weren't for a long time. But he didn't lay an egg on the job. He didn't do that. As a matter of fact, he applied himself more than ever to the execution of his particular work. He knew his job, and he performed it with excellence. And I think it should be said of every Christ follower that they are great at their work. Whether anybody above you knows about your faith and about your friendship with God, they should be able to look at you and say, that person, that individual, they are great at their work and I want them on my team. There's something else to think about as we consider all of this and that is if you hate what you're doing, you're one of those that would raise your hand and say, I just can't stand my work and can't wait for it to be done. I think here's the principle that fits in with this, and that is, if you hate what you're doing, perform with excellence until something else becomes available. Often we don't want to do that, but I think if we do, other opportunities open up for us. And I want you to consider Joe for just a moment, because he provides the example for us. Often we say and we think, if my boss, if he or she just understood me and my values, if they believed the same way that I believe, then everything would be a lot better. But that's really not what you pull from the life of Joe. He had three jobs and three different bosses as we walk through the story. Potiphar was one of his bosses, and he was an executioner. There are probably some more challenges there, don't you think? His next boss was a warden. That was when Joe spent time in prison, and he had to work for the warden. And the third boss is Pharaoh. There is no indication anywhere in Scripture that these individuals cared about God or cared anything about Joe's faith at all. No indication. The only thing we pull from the life of Joe is that they liked him and they found him to be an amazing worker. And so they said, we want Joe. We need Joe. I want Joe on my team. I want Joe in my office. I want Joe on my cabinet because he is an incredible worker. 
And so if you hate what you're doing, perform with excellence until something else becomes available. Let me ask you this. Do people at your work benefit from your friendship with God? Yeah, whether they know anything about that or not may not matter. They can still benefit from your friendship with God by how you act and how you behave and how you treat and how you give customer service and how you lead and how you follow. Do people at your work benefit from your friendship with God and are people happy to have you working for them? Some great questions to answer. Here's takeaway number three, and that is provide solutions that make others look good. Again, one of the things you see Joe doing is he's constantly providing solution after solution after solution to some really big issues and problems. And he provided these things, and he made other people look good, and I think we can do the same. And then we can leave it up to God to bless, to divinely congratulate us, and let's just let God sort out who gets the credit because he's pretty good at that, and he can handle it. But if our goal is to make others look good, I think we're going to be okay. Number four, be on mission where you work. Be on mission. Again, if your work matters to God, and it does, then that office, that cubicle, that group, that route, that school can benefit from you, and you can be on mission in that place And there are probably people there that God wants you to notice. Do you see them? Are you aware of them? We can be when we're on mission. So be on mission where you work. And know that God has placed you there and work hard there. And if something else becomes available, then go for that. But be on mission where you work. And then number five, hard work helps us overcome issues with the past. And this is a very interesting thought and point. Hard work actually helps us overcome issues with the past. Do you have a past? Do you have things that bother you? Things that keep you up at night? Hurts from people, from family members, or maybe even those that you work with? One of the things that we understand is that Joe really applied himself to his work And there wasn't a lot of time for brooding over what had hurt him in the past. There's a remarkable piece of scripture found in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And this is written by what many consider to be one of the wisest men outside of Jesus to ever walk the earth. And here's what he said about this. Even so, I have noticed one thing, at least, that is good. It is good for people to eat drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life, this is indeed a gift from God. And then here's the key verse in all of this. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over their past. Guess who had a past? Joe had a past. All kinds of stuff that happened to him. And he could have been brooding over that and fretting over that, and the opportunity comes for him to even the score and to take revenge. It would have been so easy. And again, accepting. People would have said, you know, you deserve that, Joe. 
That's not what he did. And I believe one of the reasons he didn't do that, I think one of the reasons he was able to be an above average kind of person and forgive is because he was a hard worker. So dive into work and allow that to redirect your time. And what that will do, one of the benefits of our work, and this is why your work matters to God, whether you like it or not. One of the benefits is it doesn't give us time to brood over past hurts. It allows us to move on and to heal and to accomplish new things. So here's the deal. It's Sunday, right? 4.30. We've got a big game today. Go Eagles. And then it's Monday, right? And thank God for Monday. This is an opportunity for us to really believe and to sense and to live out that my work matters. So Monday is coming. Choose to live above average with your work. Father, we're thankful for what we discover from Joe. Boy, he's such an amazing individual and he made great choice after great choice. And God, I believe that's because he set his inner compass on following you. He pointed his feet in your direction and you used him. God, I just pray that as we think about the work issues that are a part of the story, that we're kind of sidebarring from all of the emotion of family and forgiveness. Joe had work. He had a job, had several jobs. God, we work as well. And so I just pray for everybody in here that we would approach Monday in a whole new way. That we would truly understand our work matters to you. And that we would grab a takeaway or two and really begin to implement them in our lives. God, I want to pray for everybody in the room who really doesn't like their work. And it's tough and maybe that's a toxic environment and that, they can't wait to stop or to end or to find something different. God, I pray that even in the middle of that, you would help them to be productive and to perform with excellence, staying under the right umbrella of authority and giving credit to the right people. God, just being effective in that place. So I pray that you give them strength tomorrow to step into what they don't want to and what they fear and what they dislike And may you really turn that situation around for them. And God, as a follower of you, help them to point their feet in your direction and give them great success in their work. Help those in authority over them to recognize how incredibly good they are to the organization. God, you say that work is good. So Monday is coming. Help us to thank you for it and to approach our work in a whole new way, knowing that we can be an above-average kind of person and worker like Joe. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.